praise the Lord. It's, uh, it's so good to be here and I'm just honored to be able to worship with you this morning. Um, as Garen said, uh, my name is Gary. Uh, I am his older, uh, better looking brother. Uh, and uh, he knows, and my sister knows, that I am my parents' favorite. Uh, and uh, they don't deny it. So they've learned to accept it. And, uh, but uh, no, it's good, to, it's good to be here. And uh, I, I tell you, it's, it's just a special thing to be able to be here to celebrate with you um, already one year that you've, uh, that you've been in existence as a church. And so that is exciting. Um, we've been where you are. We know those days. And uh, we met, as Garen mentioned, we met in Iota High School's auditorium for over six years. Uh, when we started our church, we started back in October of 2009. Uh, for about three months, we met in a person's home. And then from there, we, uh, we moved into the high school. And, um, and so we, <laughs> we were supposed to be there. We talked about only for a few months. And uh, little did we know we would be there for over six years. But it just says a lot about our community. Iota is a great place to live. I know a man that can testify to that. It's just a wonderful place. And uh, we love living there. Uh, we, we hope that we'll spend the rest of our lives there. And, uh, but God's been so good to us. And uh, we've been in our own building now as a church for a little over two years now. And we just hit our, our, um, our ninth anniversary as a church this past October. And um, so it's been great. And so we've just been blessed to be a part of seeing what God is doing here. Um, De Quincey is a special place to us as well. I served at, as, uh, as youth minister here in De Quincey back in the early 2000s. And, um, and so De Quincey has a special place in my heart. Some of my great, some of, just some really blessed years of ministry were here in De Quincey. And uh, so I love De Quincey. I love this place. Um, I, I, I love to see that y'all are still in the playoffs just like we are for football, just like Iota is. And, and uh, so that's good to see. Um, and, uh, but it's just, a, and, and uh, in fact, uh, here at the Quincy Middle School, you know, uh, not to brag or anything, but, uh, but uh, my name is up on the board in uh, the Quincy Middle School's gym uh, for our undefeated football season here at the Quincy Middle School that I was assistant coach uh, back. I don't even remember what year that was. Some of you guys might remember. I don't know if anybody, uh, I thought maybe Jacob might be here this morning to, uh, uh, to remember what year that was, but, uh, but no, it was good. And, and uh, so we have some, um, just some wonderful memories here in De Quincey and I uh, just love being here and excited uh, to be able to, uh, just to just to speak God's word to you this morning. And, and Garen asked me if I would uh, get in on the series that you're doing of being thankful leading up uh, to Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday of the year. Um, I, I, you know, I love Christmas. I love what Christmas is all about. I love Easter. You know, obviously we're, you know, we're Easter people as, 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 as uh, New Testament saints of God because, you know, the resurrection is the cornerstone of our faith. Uh, but I love Thanksgiving. I, I, I just love the, I love the purity of it, the simplicity of it, that it's, I mean, I know we're Black Friday now moving into Thursday. Um, it's gotten a little commercialized, but I just love that Thanksgiving is really just all about getting with family, just, just, just being together and being thankful for the blessings that God has given to us this year. And, um, and, 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 and you know, so I love Thanksgiving and I'm grateful to the Lord that um, that we have this opportunity to do that as, as, as followers of Christ, you know, really we ought to be thankful every single day of the year. It, it ought to be something that ought to be just a, just a part of our nature, part of our character of just being thankful to God for his amazing blessings. Even when we're going through the toughest times in our life, and we're going to talk about some of that this morning, you know, there's still a lot to be very thankful for. Just the fact, I mean, if, if God stopped blessing us after he saved us, 
that's enough to praise him for all of eternity because it has transformed our destiny. And so this morning, as you see up on the screen, the title of my message is The Road to the Mountaintop. And I want us to look at 1 Kings chapter 17. And we're going to look at verses 7 through 16. At the beginning of this chapter, the, uh, the prophet Elijah announces that there is going to be a drought in the land. At this time, the nation of Israel is under uh, wicked leadership. The king is named Ahab, but really Ahab is really just a puppet to his wife, uh, Jezebel. Jezebel is a, was a very wicked woman. In fact, even in the New Testament, the book of Revelation, even the, you know, the Bible talks about how, um, you know, the, you know, just the name Jezebel, it, you know, becomes to be a, a, just a representation of, 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 of wickedness and immorality uh, and, uh, and so forth. And so Ahab and Jezebel are in power. Think they, they have led the nation of Israel away from God into idolatry. And, and, and into uh, immorality. And so Elijah, the prophet of God, stands before the, you know, before the people and proclaims in representation of the Lord that there would be a drought in the land. And that drought would last for three and a half years, you know, when it was all said and done. But in the meantime, of that drought that was sent in, you know, really first and foremost to be a, a, a punishment to the people of uh, the land of Israel for getting away from God. It was also a time that God would use in Elijah's life to prepare him for what God would have for him to do down the road. Because what Elijah is most known for, if you would go in and, and, and read into chapter 18, you'll discover that, that Elijah has this big showdown. He has a showdown with the, with the prophets of the false gods of Baal. And others. And there were hundreds of them and only, and, and, and only Elijah. And they meet up on the mountain because Elijah tells the people of Israel, he says, listen, it's time for you to choose who you're going to really serve. And so he says, so he gathers the people together and then he gathers the prophets of Baal together and he says, all right, we're going we're gonna to show before the people once and for all who's God. And so he, he he poses a challenge to them that they would each build an altar, that they would, uh, they would sacrifice an animal on the altar, and then they would, instead of lighting a fire, they would call out to their God and see which God would consume the altar with fire, and that would prove who the true God really is. And so they agreed to it. They get it all set up on this mountain called Mount Carmel. And so... Uh, so the, the prophets of Baal go first and they begin to call out to their gods. Of course, we know false gods, there's no answer. And so they do all sorts of things. They dance around, they cut themselves, they wail and, and, and cry out to their God and nothing happens. So then Elijah, now it's his turn, he, he, he calls for the people to get, uh, to get some, some buckets of water. And of course, they're, they're in a drought. There's no water. So this is, this is, this is scarce and, and, and precious commodities at this time. But he gets them to get water anyway, and they drench the altar. They even build a little trench around the altar, fill that up with water just so that there's no question. Elijah calls out to God. God sends fire down from heaven, consumes the altar, and we see Elijah 
through the power of God, has this great mountaintop victory in his life and for the nation of Israel. And, 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 and it's easy just to jump to that event and to talk about how great Elijah is and talk about how God used him in a powerful way and how he saw such, such a miracle and such supernatural power through him that God did as a demonstration to the people of Israel. But many times we, you know, we're so quick to jump and, and, and look at these, what we would see as overnight successes and realize that really it wasn't overnight, that, that Elijah had to go through a series of, of, of uh, the, you know, just this journey of testing and, and, and a journey of preparation to get him to that mountaintop. And, and so the reason today that we can be thankful for the dry seasons in our life is many times those dry seasons, not only does God allow those to happen in our lives, but even there's times where God causes these to happen in our lives, not to punish us, not to hurt us, but because it's a time of preparation that God is wanting to do in and through our lives in order to prepare us for the great victories that he has for us down the road. And so I want us to jump in and I want to read the text real quick, verses 7 through 16, and uh, then we'll see what else the Lord has to say to us through it. So 1 Kings 17, starting in verse 7, says, And it happened after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to Elijah. And so we see this process in Elijah's life that leads him to the mountaintop, that leads him to that great victory. And we see that, that there's preparation. In verse 7, we read about how uh, it happened after that the brook dried up. The brook that he's talking about there is the brook Kidron, which was a brook where God had taken Elijah to and told him to stay there and to just uh, just to camp out there for a while. And there God would not allow the brook to dry up. So so Elijah in the midst of that drought would have water. And then also he was fed. The Bible says ravens, birds brought him food every day. And so God miraculously fed him through birds and 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 uh, even in the drought did not allow the brook to dry up until we get to verse 7. Now verse 7, the Bible says, now the brook dries up. And so now what he's doing is, is that he's, he's taking Elijah to the next step in the process of preparation. Uh, John Maxwell says this, he says, the road to the next level is always uphill. 
And so we understand that if God's going to bring us to where he wants us to be, we understand that 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 things sometimes are going to get a little tougher for us because, again, it's not that God's out to hurt us. It's not that he's out, you know, to to just, you know, just to make life tough for us for no reason or to punish us. But it's but it's to help us. It's to grow us. It's to make us better. And and but the but the road up, you know, to the next level is always uphill. So we got to be willing to do what it takes to get to that next level for our good and for God's glory. And so there's a couple of things I want us to see in this passage, uh, in, in this passage about Elijah's life that, uh, that I believe we can learn in our own. And so the first one in verses eight and nine is we see this, God's plan of preparation. God's plan of preparation. In, in verse nine, he tells Elijah, now that the brook has dried up, he says, I want you to get up and go to a city called Zarephath. Now, in those days in the Bible times, especially Old Testament, the, the meanings of the names of people and places were very important. And it's interesting that the name Zarephath is a, is a word that means to melt. You see, God was bringing him to a place to prepare him for the next level of ministry and maturity. And he needed strength, he needed faith, he needed courage in order for him to have that victory on the mountaintop, in order for him to have the boldness to be able to stand before all of those prophets of the false gods and to stand before all of the people of Israel, you know, he would need all of these things in his life. And so God was going to use this place, Zarephath, that meant to melt. God was going to turn up the heat in his life to melt him, to mold him into the kind of man of God that, that, that he designed to to uh, to make Elijah to be to fulfill the purpose in his life. You know, the Bible talks about many times how God is like the is like the goldsmith who puts his people through the refiner's fire. And, 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 and you know, just like a goldsmith takes the gold and, and, and put it through intense heat and pressure, not not to harm it, but to but to melt off the impurities, to take off the things that are not useful in order that that precious metal may become more valuable and useful when it comes out of the fire on the other side. And that's what God does with us as well. God will put us through a season of, of, of intense heat and pressure. He, he will send us to our own personal Zarephaths in order that he may melt off the things that aren't good in our lives, the things that are harmful to us, the things that may not necessarily be bad in and of themselves, but things that may hold us back and hinder us from being everything that he wants us to be. And so he does it not to hurt us, not to punish us, but because he loves us, he does these things for our own good. And he'll send us to Zarephath. And that's what he does with Elijah. He sends him there to mold him and to shape him and to make him into the person that he wants him to be. And, 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 and it's these times of intense heat that creates Christ-likeness in our lives. What God does is, he, is, is as he molds us and melts us is that anything that doesn't look like Jesus, he takes off in order that we may look more and more like his precious son every single day. And so in this plan of preparation, there's a couple of things that, that we need to be reminded of when we are in those seasons of the intense pressure and heat. First thing in verse eight we see is that God knows where you are. He knows where you are. In verse eight, the Bible says the word of the Lord came to him, came to him. What that means is, is that God knew 
where Elijah was. Now, I know that sounds simplistic. I know that sounds like that's not a big deal. It's not earth shattering. It's not deep theology. But it's such a it's such an important thing for us to remember when we're in the heat, when we're in the pressure. There's a lot of times we feel like God's forgotten me. God doesn't know where I am. But I'm telling you, he always knows where you are. He always knows your address. He always knows what you need before you even know that you need it. You know, my wife and I have been talking about this a lot lately. It just seems that over and over again, we see in our lives more and more that, that God will meet needs in our life or, or at least set things up to provide for us before we ever know we have the need. I mean, God is so good to us in our lives that, that, that he will provide for us things we need before we need it. Because listen, he always knows where we are. He always knows our situations. He always knows what we need. The Bible says that, that the word of the Lord came to him. God knew where to find Elijah. He knows where we are. He knows exactly where we are before giving in, before giving up. Go back to his promises and remember that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Isaiah 41.10 says this. God says, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God knows where you are. He has not forsaken you. He's not forgotten you. But the second thing I want us to see about God's plans of preparation, not only for us to remember that he knows where we are, but he also knows where you're going. See, the thing is, is when, you know, it's good to know that God knows where we are, but, but you know, we know that too, is uh, we know where we are. But what we may not always know is where we're going, is where God is taking us. And I think that that's really a good thing. If, if, if God laid out his plans for us and just gave us full disclosure of our lives, full disclosure of his will, full disclosure of where he's taken us, I think it would scare the mess out of us. I think it would blow our minds. And so God just, God just reveals enough of what we need to know when we need to know it. And so that's why we must walk by faith and not by sight. It's because we have to just trust that God sees the big picture and we don't. And so we've just got to take it faith by faith, step by step, and walk in the light God gives us till he gives us more light. And, 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 and so it's just a journey of faith because, is because we don't always know where we're going. You know, we may not know what tomorrow holds, but we know, listen, now, know this, that wherever you go tomorrow, God's already been there. Wherever God takes you, he's already been. He's already going and prepared the way for you. And so you can trust him. You can have confidence in him. See, God told him in verse 9, arise and go to Zarephath. And then he tells him, dwell there, stay there, abide there, make your home. That's, you know, that's, that's the hard part many times for us is, is, is staying in that season. You know, it's one thing to be in a dry season. You know, for for a day, maybe even a week. But when God says, hey, I want you to camp out there for a while. I want you to take up residence there. I want you to make your home there for a time. That's often a different story. We don't want to stay there for a long time. He goes from he goes from the brook. I said something earlier, but it's actually the brook Cherith. He goes from Cherith to Zarephath. And that's a, that was a long, dangerous trip. I mean. King and queen hated Elijah because he would prophesy and speak the truth from God. And it was usually contrary 
to what they wanted to hear because of their wickedness. And so because they blamed the drought on him, they wanted to kill him. And so he goes from this long, dangerous journey from Cherith to Zarephath. But though it was dangerous from a human standpoint, God knew where he was and God knew where he was going. And again, God went ahead of him. And God tells him in verse 9, he says, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, keep in mind, Elijah is the prophet, the prophet of God at the time. He is the man of God. He's the famous prophet that everybody knows. And, and, and widows in those days really did not have a really high view in society. And, and, and so, because often they would consider those sort of circumstances in a person's life to be a curse from God or to be, you know, a, 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 a punishment from God. And so, normally you would think God's plan would be you, Elijah, as the great prophet, the great man of God, that you would be the one who would go to this widow in this time of desperation in this dry season and you would take care of the widow. But God says, no, no, Elijah, here's my plan. This widow is going to take care of you. God had to bring Elijah down a couple notches and bring him to a, to a, to a place of humility because he wanted to prepare Elijah for greater tasks. This, uh, this man by the name of Watchman Nee said this a few years ago, a good while back. He says, because of our proneness to look at the bucket and forget the fountain, God has to frequently change his source of supply to keep our eyes fixed on the source. See, what God will do sometimes is God will change up his methods in our life, especially he will change them up in ways that, that we would think don't make sense so that we don't get caught up on the method, but that we stay focused on the source. Even like when Jesus did miracles when he was here on the earth, other than raising the dead, every miracle he did, if he repeated a certain miracle, he, he would always change the method, like when he gave sight to the blind. One time he would just put his hands on their eyes. Another time he made, uh, you know, uh, made some clay with, with spit in the dirt and put it on his eyes and made him go wash in the pool. You know, whatever. Jesus always used different methods. Why? Because he didn't want us getting caught up. He knows our human nature and that we would get caught up on the method instead of upon the, the source. And, 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 and so he would change the method. So, and, and, and so that's what he does here is that he changes up his method from what we would think from a human standpoint would make sense that the great prophet would be the one taking care of the widow. But he says, no, the widow is going to take care of you. And so because God, again, wants us to recognize where our source comes from. And so we see the God's plan of preparation that he knows where you are and he knows where you're going but then the second thing I wanted to see in the remaining portion of this passage from verses 10 to 16 is God's tests for preparation. That's the, that's the hard part of, the, of this dry season in our lives many times. And that's why it's, the challenge is being thankful in these dry seasons, why it's so hard. is because we're put through a series of tests many times. And again, understand the difference between tests and temptations. The devil 
will tempt us to hurt us, to do evil, to do bad for our harm. But God will put us through tests for our good. And so we see these tests in Elijah's life. And again, it was for preparation to, to prepare him to, to be ready for what he had for him to do on Mount Carmel in chapter 18. So there was a couple of tests that he went through specifically here that I want us to look at. The first one in verses 10 through 12 was what I call the test of first impressions. The test of first impressions. Notice in verse 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, just like God said, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and he said, please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And then as she was going to get it, he called her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. That's where things got a little messed up. He had just traveled a long way through that hot, dry desert, that dangerous journey as we talked about earlier. The brook had dried up. So God says, go to this specific place. And God says, God says, and there a widow would provide for you. So although that didn't make sense to him, although that was, that was unusual in his eyes, he does it. He obeys God to his credit. He does exactly what God says, goes exactly where God tells him to go. Sure enough, as soon as he gets into the gate of the city, there's a widow. So he's like, okay, things are falling into place just like God said they would. So then he asks this, this widow for a drink of water. She's going to get it. Doesn't leave well enough alone. Now he says, bring me something to eat. And this is where his test comes in. Because in verse 12, she says, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And now she says, and look, I'm gathering up these sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son. Listen that we may eat it and die. This is the widow that God says was going to take care of him in this dry season. And she says, I just have a little bit left to make one more meal to prolong the inevitable so that we can eat one last time, my son and I, and then we're just going to wait to die. Can you imagine? Anybody, and it's, and listen, it's always so hard to get over first impressions. It, you know, and, and, and so Elijah has to be looking at this and thinking, what in the world is God up to? What's going on? This is the one, God, that you said you would provide, yeah, that you would use to provide for me. What is going on? And, you know, I, that, that brings me back just thinking about in those early days of when we started our church and how there were, there were times for us is like, you know, we were, um, you know, we, you know, we had given up really uh, everything as far as financial security. We had given up a, a, a good position in a church before to, to step out. I didn't know exactly where God was leading us when I had resigned from my previous church. We, we just, we were just trusting God. I began just to travel around preaching just to, you know, that was I mean, that's how I made a living was, was in ministry. And so I just got the word out that I was available. And so I just started traveling, preaching for a few months. And then when I felt like the Lord leading us to start the church, uh, I, I, I stopped taking dates so I could be there on Sundays to, to lead our new church. And we just had a handful of people and, and we really didn't have much of an income coming in at the time. And I mean, I'm telling you, there were days where 
where bills were coming due or, 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 or things were happening and, and, and I would cry out to God and would be like, Lord, I know that I heard from you to start this church. I know I'm doing what you told me to do. But I'm telling you, the first impression was, man, I, I wonder if I missed God. You know, and, 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 and things were, you know, our kids were younger at the time and, and they had a lot of needs and, and they didn't understand when birthdays came around that we couldn't buy them a present for their birthday. You know, but, but things were tight and we were just, we were just holding on, trusting God. And, and I'm telling you, if I would have just given in to the test of first impressions, we would have folded. I just would have gone back and, 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 and found another way to make a living or something. And, and because I'm telling you what, what I saw with my, you know, with my physical eyes, what I could see in the physical was, was not good. But God just kept reminding me, just trust me, just trust me, just trust me. And you know what? We never went without. We never, we never were unable to, to, you know, to take care of our responsibilities. And God has just blessed from that time. And I couldn't imagine giving in in those early days and miss out on what we have seen God do in our church over these last nine years in Iota. And, and, and so I'm so thankful that, that, that God was able to, to give me the ability and give us the ability to, to pass this test of first impressions because I'm telling you there's going to be times in your life where you're going to step out in faith and you're going to trust God and you're going to be confident that you are right in the middle of God's will and it's going to, it seems like that all hell is going to break loose. Seem like the storms are going to hit you harder, and it's like the 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 attacks become more intense, and 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 the circumstances get 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 that much more difficult. And that first impression, you're going to think, well, man, obviously I must have missed God because there's no way this could be the will of God. But I'm telling you, sometimes it is. There's no shortcuts to getting to the mountaintop. There's no shortcuts to to really fulfilling the purpose that God has for your life. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He's got a destiny laid out for you he's got a specific and unique plan just for you and 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 God created you the way you are on purpose to fulfill that purpose and sometimes though we're going to have to go through those testings we're going to have to go through the dry seasons we're going to have to go through the heat and through the melting process in order for God to mold us and shape us into who he wants us to be and who he's preparing us to be to be ready for the blessings that are coming on the other side and so don't give in when you face those tests of first impressions. Don't believe just what you're able to see with your physical eyes. And that leads us to the second test. And we see this in verses 13 through 16, and it's the test of physical impossibilities. In these verses, Elijah finds himself in a situation from a human perspective that's impossible. But he was able, because of what he had seen God do previously in his life, he was able to see past what looked impossible in the physical. And he was able to handle the situation by faith and not by fear. In fact, in verse 13, he tells the widow, he says to her, do not fear. Because she had her eyes only on the impossible situation. She had her eyes on the visible and all she saw was the impossible. But Elijah, by faith, saw beyond the impossible, and he saw the possibilities. When you're in a situation that seems impossible, understand that that's just opportunity for God to work. 
See, what God wants to do is he wants to put us in, in impossible situations from a human standpoint so that when he works and he comes through and he does something through those what we would call impossible situations where there's no other way to explain it but that it had to be God, then there's no other option but to give him all the glory. And that's what he wants. And that's what he deserves. He will put us in those situations so that we can't take credit. You see, when, when God is, is, is all that you have, that is when you're truly able to understand he's really all you need. And, and you know, it's easy, you know, I, yeah, I know back when we were here in De Quincey, you know, our worship leader, uh, you know, uh, we would sing this song that, that said, he is all I need. He is all I need. Jesus is all I need. You know, it was easy to sing that song and it was great, but it's not until you're in Zarephath. It's not until you're in that time when you have nothing else but God can you really understand that God is all I need because God was all I had. God's all I have. And you know what? He's still enough. It's enough. And so even through what seems like impossible situations, he's enough. Elijah sees the possibilities because he had been the cherith. He had seen the brook not dry up even though it hadn't rained in days and weeks and months. He saw these birds come with food to feed him because God told them to. And so he saw the power of God. He saw the faithfulness of God there. And so the woman, in contrast, at first is, she, she realizes that her assets are few. She only has, she says, just a little bit of oil, a handful of flour and, 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 and a few sticks. But Elijah says, no, our, our assets, our resources are unlimited because we have an almighty God who has promised to take care of us and he's going to provide for us. God would one day send rain again, but until then, they had to trust that he would continually provide for them. And we got to know that, that the, that the dry seasons of our life are only temporary. They're only there for a time. One of the most blessed phrases in the Bible is, and it came to pass. It, it, the, the thing is, is that everything in this life is temporary, including the dry seasons. And, but, but the reason that we can be thankful for the dry seasons, we can be thankful in the dry seasons, is because God always has a purpose for them. God is always doing something in them. And yes, one day he would send rain. The rain was going to come. But until then, you got to just trust. You got to just trust God, hold on to him, and know that he's up to something good in your life. And so God would provide for them, and they had to trust that. And, and the thing is, is that Elijah knew that, that, that he couldn't talk the talk if he had not already walked the walk. And, and, and that's the thing. We got to remember that we can't encourage somebody else to believe the impossible if we ourselves don't believe God in the impossible. Elijah was looking at the same problem as this widow, but he looked at it from a whole different perspective. He, he, he looked at it from past experience and knew that what they were facing was a big situation, but it wasn't too big for God. So he commands her to go, keep going, keep doing what I told you to do, get me some water, go make a cake, and then bring it to me and make some for you and your son too. And then he tells her why. In verse 14, he tells her, he says, the bin, 
of flour shall not be used up. He says, the Lord says this. The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. This was a great promise from God. And it was a confident word from Elijah. You see, faith is contagious. When we just believe God, when we just take God at his word, that will spread to others. And that's what happens here. Elijah models for her faith, a life of faith. He demonstrates faithful obedience. God told him to go. He went. Now, now he tells her to go and do. So verse 15 says she went and she did. His faith was contagious. People's obedience and God's faithfulness is a combination that leads to miracles. Our obedience and God's faithfulness is a combination that leads to miracles. Elijah heard from God. God said, go and do. Elijah did and he went. Now he says the same to her. She obeys and now she'll get to reap the benefits. You see, again, from a human standpoint, that doesn't make sense. But that's why as followers of Christ, we don't live off of man's explanations. We live off of God's revelation. You see, we have to live off of what God reveals to us in his word. And, and, and God's will for our life because what God reveals to us many times when we look at it just from a human standpoint, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But when you step out in faith and you trust God, you trust him with the plans he has and you trust him with the details, you trust him with meeting your needs, you believe what he says when he says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all the things that you need will be added to you when you just take him at his word. And that's really what faith is. Faith is taking him at his word. And when you just take him at his word and you just by faith obey him and then you just watch in combination with God's faithfulness, that's when you see the supernatural miracles of God working in your life. Elijah and that widow obeyed in light of impossible situations and God miraculously provided. The flour was never empty. The jar of oil never dried up. See, God acts according to our faith. Jesus in Matthew 9, 29 told the blind man that he healed. He touched his eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be to you. Jesus said this also in Matthew 19, 26. Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So it doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that we get everything we want in life, but it does mean that God will meet every single need that we have. And when we see God work in our lives in response to our obedience and he meets our needs, even in the midst of dry seasons, then we, then we realize, you know what, that's enough. That's really all I need. You know, one of the things is, uh, you know, we have a partnership with the ministry down in Mexico, and we go down to the Peninsula every year. And um, one thing I've learned being around those believers there in Mexico who have very little of what we believe as Americans you need, you need what we think of as needs to be happy, to be comfortable, to be content. And what, and what God has shown me through that ministry there is that so much of what I think is a need is really a luxury, really a want. And, uh, and, and, and what I see in those believers down there 
who we're, you know, we go thinking we're going to be a blessing and we're going to be an encouragement and a help to them. And honestly, I've learned more from, from, from them than I have, uh, you know, contributed to them. But one of the things that, that I've learned from them is that they have very, very little of, of, what, of, of the things of this world as far as money and possessions. But they are the most joyful, happy, and, and, and content people I've ever met in my life. And, and so the Lord has, has shown me that over and over again is that the things that I think I need, I don't really need. But when, but when I see God provide for my true needs in my life, then I realize that really that's enough. That's enough. And so as we looked at Elijah's time of preparation, his dry season in his life, he had no idea at the time what was going to happen into chapter 18 on that mountaintop. All he knew was that God put him through a dry season. And in that dry season, God was doing some things. And he realized that God had a purpose through it. God had a purpose in it. And he knew, though, that once God was done with, with his purpose in it, he would take him out of it and give him victory over it but that God was using it to prepare him for what was to come. And so today, maybe you're in a dry season. And, 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 and if you are, know that God has a purpose for it and you can be thankful in the dry season. The Bible says, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, you notice it didn't say, for everything, give thanks. There's some things, listen, it's, it, it, you, you don't have to be thankful for. But he says, in everything, give thanks. Because maybe, maybe you're not thankful for what caused this dry season in your life. Maybe you're not thankful for the circumstances that are happening that are bad, that have caused you loss or grief or pain or sorrow. But you can be thankful in them because you can know that God never wastes any experiences, that God has a purpose for what he's doing and that he loves you enough and cares for you enough and has a plan for your life that he is working through those seasons and in those seasons to prepare you for the great things he has that, uh, that are waiting for you after you come out of that dry season. And so remember that, that, that just, a, just a couple of parting thoughts is just remember, just to recap that God's directions don't always make sense. That God may lead you to your Zarephath, a place of, of testing to melt you and mold you. Don't resist it, even though you don't understand it. Stay there. Dwell there. Don't be in a hurry to run and to get away with God. God's got to run you down and, 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 and start the process all over again. Stay where he's placed you and finish the process. And remember this, the beginning days are often the hardest. You got to pass that test of first impressions. It may seem like, oh man, I must be out of the will of God. This can't be God's will. But you know what? It just may be. And don't, again, don't run from it. Stay there. Because sometimes those, those, those beginning days are often the hardest. Whether it's when you first got saved or when you moved to a new job or a new ministry or, or to a new location or to a new, you know, or getting a new church started. Don't, don't, don't be so quick to get discouraged because the beginning days are often the hardest. You've got to just trust God. And, 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 and remember this, though, is that God's promises are precious, but they're often conditional. They're often hinged on our obedience. 
And so don't miss out on what God has for you because of disobedience. You see, the, the, the only way that God was going to provide for Elijah was at first he had to be by that brook Cherith because that's where God told him to be. That's where the ravens were assigned to go to feed him. That's where the water wasn't going to dry up. And so he had to be there, specifically where God told him in order to receive the blessings. He had to be in Zarephath because it was that widow that God said would take care of him. So he had to be obedient to go to that specific city for that specific widow for God's plan to be fulfilled through her and through him. And so he had to be obedient in order to receive the provision, in order to receive the promise of God. So remember, sometimes God's promises are conditional. They're hinged on our obedience. But remember this, even in the dry season, the reason you can be thankful is, yes, God has a purpose for it, and he's going to bring you through it when he's done with that purpose. But remember that his provision, even in the dry season, is always sufficient. It's always enough. It's always enough. In, in everything, give thanks, for it is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You have to be thankful for everything, but you need to be thankful in everything. Know that it's only temporary. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. Even Jesus, the Bible says the reason, I'll close with this, that the reason that he, from a human standpoint, we know he was God and that, and that you know, he, but, but, but he experienced the cross in full 100% humanity. He never stopped being 100% God, but he was 100% man. And so he experienced all of the pain and sorrow, anything that we would face as a human being, he faced it when he went to the cross while he was here on earth. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that the, that the reason that he was able to endure the cross, the pain, the shame, the suffering, the, the, the wrath of God upon him and the spiritual aspect of becoming sin for us so that we can become the righteousness of God. The reason the Bible says is that it was for the joy set before him. He, he was saying that, that the reason Jesus, the, the key to his endurance of going through all of that for us, the reason he was able to do it from a human standpoint was because of the results he would see on the other side. He looked past the pain and saw what the cross meant, that, that it would provide a way for us as sinful humanity to have a relationship with the holy God, that that, that that was the only way for us to be able to enjoy heaven with him. And he was willing to do that for us. And so he was willing to endure the physical suffering, torture, and excruciating pain that he would endure. And he also was willing to take the wrath of God upon him, the, the, the judgment of God for, for the sins of all of humanity. He was willing to do that because he looked past the pain to see the purpose. He looked past the pain to see the results. And that's what we need to do in order to be able to endure the dry seasons and to be thankful in the dry seasons is know that God's got a purpose for this and I'm just looking forward to the benefits of it on the other side. So be thankful even in the dry seasons for what God is doing. He loves you enough that he's working in you to work through you and he's preparing you through these seasons of life. Let's pray together. Father, we love you, Lord, and just thank you for loving us. God, it was a privilege for me to be able to be here and to share your word with these precious people. God, I thank you for Crosspoint. I thank you, God, for, for Garen and for Jake and for, uh, Lord, the faithful people of this church. God, I just ask you that you would bless them tremendously. 
God, that you would just open up the windows of heaven and pour out your spirit upon them, pour out your blessings upon them, Lord. But God, I pray that they would constantly, Lord, as the blessings of God pour in, that they would pour out to their community, to their neighbors and be a blessing. God, I, and, and so that, Lord, they would just continue to be a conduit of your blessings to this, uh, to the town of the Quincy and the surrounding areas. Father, I just thank you for your spirit moving, for your spirit speaking. And Father, I ask now that we would just simply take what we've heard and that we would begin to process it and apply it. God, I know the dry seasons of this life are tough. I know it's hard. I know, Lord, sometimes we wonder, God, how long and how intense is it going to get before, Lord, you bring me out of this. But, Lord, I, I just pray that through what you have shown us this morning, through your word, God, that we can be thankful in the dry seasons because we know that these dry times that you allow or even that you cause are times of preparation, times where, God, it, it, it drives us to you, Lord, as the deer pants for the water brooks, Lord, in a dry and weary land, in a desert land, God, that as the deer pants for the, for the water, so our soul longs for you, God. And so sometimes it takes the dry season for us to really, Lord, pursue you with everything we have, Lord. And so in that, we can be thankful knowing you have a purpose, knowing that you're working in us for our good, that your promises are true, that you're faithful. And God, we can be thankful in the dry seasons. And so, Lord, I pray that we would leave here with a thankful heart. Lord, I pray for those in, in a dry season right now. God, I ask you to strengthen them. I ask you to encourage them. I ask you to lift them up, God. And, and, and Lord, help them to realize, Lord, that they don't have to do this on their own. But Lord, you're right there with them. You'll never leave them or forsake them. You are their God and you will be with them. Lord, you know their need before they need it. And I pray, God, that you would deliver them out of it when your purpose is fulfilled. God, I pray for those who are not in the dry season right now, Lord, but that they would be in preparation for it. That, Lord, they would do like, like Joseph did in Egypt when you forewarned that the dry season was coming. God, that, that Lord, uh, they made preparations for it. And God, I pray we would always be making preparation for when that time comes so that we can get the most out of what you're wanting to do through it. Lord, I just thank you, God, for who you are and for your faithfulness to us, Lord. We worship you, Lord God. We honor you and praise you, Lord. May we apply what you've spoken to our lives, God, and meditate and, and uh, chew on it, Lord, for, for the days to come. We love you, we honor and bless you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name.